ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we do love listener feedback. So love it. if you've got questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do that. One is by email. The email address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or if you're on Twitter, you can tweet us at SFDiocese, hashtag Ignition. Again, email or Twitter, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Twitter is SFDiocese, use the hashtag Ignition. Father, how goes the battle today? I'm starting to learn what a hashtag is. What is a hashtag? It's a pound sign. Yes. I wonder if anyone actually knows if it has a pound sign or a number sign anymore. I do. Well, I mean, but so it was like the younger generation, but oh. they just can think about it as a hashtag. Probably. And so yeah. there was a, uh, I was driving out to Chamberlain a couple of weeks ago, Oakoma for the uh, priests uh, get together with Bishop Swain. We had a marvelous presentation by Dr. Michael Terrian uh, from the Diocese of Pittsburgh. And there's a billboard for some restaurant in Kimball and it says something like hashtag, like smothered in cheese or really? something like that. For like some, and this is, that has little asterisks on it, and down below it says, we don't know what a hashtag is. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> Very clever of them. Very meta. So, uh, <clears throat> Father, let's just jump right into today's episode. Well, before we do that, actually, we're not going to jump. Because this episode is brought to you by what? a listener question. Yes, it is. Yes. And as we just said, seriously, so a couple of recent episodes have been brought to us by listener questions. So you can email us or tweet us. Two in the past, well, not quite calendar month, but like right. month of episodes. Exactly. Because we're doing this, uh, this is on the 19th uh, of November. Yes, that sounds right. Yep. Um, so we're coming up next week. Uh, we'll, we'll be celebrating Thanksgiving. And the Sunday after that will be Advent already, Father. Yes. Advent in November. Yep. Not, the 29th. Not that uncommon, but... No, no. So, uh, do we think... Maybe we'll be talking about this at the beginning of Advent. Um, but, Love but Advent. now, you might start thinking about some sort of spiritual practice for Advent. Oh, yeah, good point. Because yep, yep. we won't have an episode of Ignition. Um, well, we'll have one we, more with a guest co-host. Oh, for Sorry. for Thanksgiving? Yep. Oh, I was wondering if we could like edit together like a best of Ignition. Oh, best of. Because that episode will air on... But I'm sure our faithful listeners will be... Listening devoutly, devotedly. It's time to Seriously. the turkey's almost done. Oh wait. It's time for ignition. Who's supposed to be stirring the gravy? Sorry, I was listening I'm to listening Ignition to on Lamb Catholic Radio. <laughs> That's where you could also if you can't listen on Lamb, you can always download the podcast and listen after pumpkin pie. Right. Which might, might not be good for your retention because you might be falling asleep. <laughs> no, that way we'll keep you awake with our uh, witty banter and and, and insert banter. vigor and vim 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 and vigor vim and vigor vim and vigor. vim and vigor so we're going to talk about today uh <laughs> this is uh and, and i do want to thank gina who the listener who asked for this topic because the, i think this is one that we're both looking forward to dear and to our frankly hearts. it's easy <laughs> 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 because that's what it's about here on ignition what's easy for father and i 
So we're going to talk about some of our... Nothing's easy with you, Dr. Bell. Oh, oh. Yes. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. What are some mm-hmm. of our favorite... Things? This is the way we're taking it. Um, raindrops and roses. Bright copper kettles? Yeah. Why is why bright copper kettles? I, I don't know. Uh, favorite books? Catholic books. I love books. So... Why don't you start then, since okay. you love them? Well, I so when you you said you know best or favorite Catholic books, I kind of thought maybe like three. I mean, I could talk for hours. Like I have, it's it's like my Twitter account. I mean, I've got like four hundred favorites on there, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, so I could talk for hours about favorite books and like stretch some things to be Catholic that aren't Catholic yep. per se. And um, but I broke it down to like three little categories just for me. And you can like jump in on any of these, but so like an in, in intellectual book. A spiritual book, kind of like one that you could kind of like pray with, yep, if you will, uh, and then a novel, yep. Okay. Now I should I, I want to say by uh-huh. the way, uh-huh. to me a really a well written intellectual book should be spiritual as well. Correct, but it's a little and a spiritual book really should be intellectual because we are also both true matter and spirit. But um, I know what you mean though, <clears throat> right? I, I, right. I, I get the distinction. <laughs> I agree with it by and large. But that's sort of a, just a, a reminder to our listeners. You know, that's that that sometimes these bleed into one another. Okay. So uh, for the intellectual book, I picked uh, it's a book I've recently read. Uh, and I probably could think there's some other. Oh, there's definitely some other ones I'd recommend. But uh, Theology and Sanity by Frank Sheed. Okay. And so just first of all, the title. Yeah. Theology <laughs> and Sanity. Uh, not insanity, but Theology and Sanity. And his, his whole reason for naming the book that is, you know, what's insanity? Insanity is to not see the world as it truly is. Right. And if your worldview doesn't include uh, an understanding of uh, um, theology and investigation to the divine things, then your world uh, is incomplete and you're living in an insane world unless you understand the theological nature of the world. Right. Right. So, I, so and he explains that at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. Frank Sheed, the author, explains that at the beginning right. of his book. Right. And, he, and, the, and the book is written, it's a, basically collected from sidewalk presentations he used to give <clears throat> in the middle of London. Right. So he was a street corner apologist, Frank Sheed, uh, living at the turn of the 20th century. So the like 1920s, 1930s, yeah. and uh, giving these presentations to, and he, and he says, you know, uh, my audience, uh, my, each of these addresses is tested by the fact that people listen to it only because they're willing to stand there. And if they left, I knew I needed to change something or work on it. So he, uh, he uh, Sheed was an Australian by birth that no, I don't I remember how that. somehow or another got himself to, to England. Um, if, the, if England sent their prisoners to Australia, did Australia send their good people to England? Apparently. apparently oh, you uh, qualify. Uh, upgrade. In this case, you did, they did. Uh, and he, yeah, Hyde Park is one of the mm. common places where I get, apparently it was common for people to literally get up on their soapbox and start talking about whatever topic they wanted to talk about. And yeah, people would either pay attention or not. And if they pay, they might pay attention and argue. Right. So that's the other thing. Right. Tested not just by the fact that people stayed and listened, but they would argue with him. And so that forced him to fine tune and, and tweak his, and his argument. So his point with this is that these weren't just created like in a vacuum of academia per se, where no one could really respond to his lectures. Right. And so what a beautiful culture, by the way, just where people would like listen to intellectual arguments and engage them. Right. 
Right. I, I wonder uh, skeptically whether such is still the case in Hyde Park anymore. Nah, I'd be hard pressed to see right, it. Right. Yeah. So, so why? I mean, maybe you already spoke to this, but specifically, what is it about this? You mentioned the title. Mm -hmm. In terms of the mm -hmm. content, yeah, yeah. Yeah. what do you like about this book? Uh, I think it's incredibly coherent in the way it makes a synthesis of the topics of the faith. So starting from the existence to God, existence of God, going to the nature of the Holy Trinity, going to the incarnation, to salvation. Uh, it's very Thomistic. He draws upon St. Thomas Aquinas an awful lot. So if you like the Summa, but just never had the effort to go through it, um, this would be a good uh, quasi-substitute in that way. Um, and I just love his teaching imageries. He has some great, uh, ironic, uh, interestingly enough, he has some great images, even though he's also very good at teaching you to think beyond imagery. Right. Yes. Yeah. He's very specific about that, isn't he? Yeah. Talking about the nature of God and divinity and so on. Right. It's one of the first couple of chapters where he says, uh, if we limit ourselves, we have to think beyond our imagination because our imagination can only address things that it can image that's sensible, that's tangible right. in some way, whether you can touch it, see it, smell it, taste it, that's imagination. But to think on something, to engage your intellect. And so he uses the example of, uh, any of the spiritual realities, and we've talked about this in other, even recent uh, episodes of Ignition, uh, that um, you know you can't see love. Right. You can see expressions of love, but that isn't the essence of love. And so if you want to talk about the essence of love, you have to think beyond your imagination. Right. And as we live in a very materialistic age, we talked about that just uh, a couple weeks ago in Ignition, um, it's a challenge for us. I found myself challenged in a good way to be able to stretch my thinking beyond just what I can imagine. Right. Right. So that's another thing I really loved about it. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I can quote to you some of his great, I mean, I still remember different parts of things. Really? Yeah. That I love from there. Like when he talks about the Trinity and his little, like I call it Dr. Seuss theology of the Trinity. Uh, Say more. Well, um, <clears throat> just his, uh, his description of, uh, and also with the incarnation, then when we talk about the Trinity, we're talking about God as uh, one what with three who's. Right, yes, yes, yes. Yep, yep. yep. So one what would be divinity, three who's, Father, Son, and Spirit, who each have full and undiminished access to that what, divinity. Yep. Right. Um, whereas, like, I only have access to my own humanity. I don't have access to all of humanity uh, in my person, but they, in being God and the nature of divinity, there's only one divinity, the divine imagination, the divine intellect, the divine will. And each person of the Holy Trinity has full and complete access uh, to the to the divinity at all times. Right. Yeah. And then like the incarnation, Jesus is one who with two what's. Yep. He's a who, Jesus, with what? Divinity and humanity. And the who is the second person of the Trinity. So the divine person with two natures. Right. Right. Yeah. Sheet is a great author, written a number of books. Uh, Theology for Beginners is mm -hmm. another title. Um, to Know Christ Jesus is another, another title yet. I think there's another one. Well, there's another two that I think of, uh, Map of Life, which yeah. is a much shorter little explanation of the faith. I've used that as kind of a quasi-RCIA text for some students interested in the faith, but not sure. Um, and then also he has, uh, on this uh, similar title, Society Insanity, right. where he talks about church social teaching. Right. Um, my turn. Sure. So for me, when I thought about this topic, I, I sort of went so sort of autobiographically. Some of the Catholic books that I 
started reading um, as I came back to practice of the faith. Uh, and, and my, as I've talked about on previous episodes, although not for a while on Ignition, um, apologetics played a big role in the early days of my reversion mm-hmm. to the Catholic faith. Uh, one of the first books I read with, was Carl Keating's Catholicism Fundamentalism, still sort of a quote-unquote modern-day Catholic apologetics classic in that Keating, who's the founder of, of the apologetics apostolate Catholic Answers, uh, Carl Keating goes through and the arguments that particularly that fundamentalist Protestants would make against the Catholic Church. He he sort of goes through them one at a time in very in, in um, I don't, charitable in clear ways shows how the arguments don't in fact obtain. They don't apply. They don't work. They're faulty. Mm-hmm. So then in this in, in in the same way he's explaining the Catholic faith. He's defending the Catholic faith against these particular objections. I love that book. That I read that when I was kind of going through my own like spiritual and intellectual discovery of the faith in uh when I was in college. Yeah. So it's a it's it's a easy read. It doesn't require, you know, higher degrees of theology, but a very clear read. But to me and Scott Hans, of course, another very well-known uh Catholic author who's written a number of apologetics works, um really originally I think known for that um uh in, in a particular way, but one of the best books that I just recently saw um, I think it's been in print, but now Lighthouse Catholic Media, I've seen it in those 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 displays, um, is is a book by the author's name is David Curry, C-U-R-R-I-E, Curry, um, and it's called Born Fundamentalist, Born Again Catholic. Um, and it's just, uh, as with a lot of the great apologetics books, it's sort of autobiographically, he's telling his own story of, in his case, growing up in a, a very devout fundamentalist home and how he uh, ended up becoming Catholic. Um, I think relatively lately, I think in his late 30s or 30s or 40s, but he, with his wife and his children, entered the Catholic Church. And he also goes through the various arguments that he grew up learning against the Catholic faith um, and, and, and how he came to understand the truth of the Catholic faith as he was led to investigate. Um, and with a lot of these people, you know, just they're driven by a search for the truth. Right. That hunger. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really struck me. So that that's still one of my very favorite, David Curry's book in particular, um, one of my very favorite um, Catholic apologetics works, Born Fundamentalist, Born Again Catholic. I haven't read that one, but that's certainly, I mean, there's this whole genre of those books, which are really great, the Surprised by Truth series. Yep. Uh, just an excellent resource, and especially if you're maybe coming from maybe you're, whether you yourself uh, were raised uh, non-Catholic and became Catholic, or uh, or just maybe you're Catholic curious right now listening uh, to Ignition, or maybe um, you uh, um, uh, get a lot of questions from non-Catholics in this right. way. It'd be a great resource. Yep, yep. Father, I mentioned if you're listening, again, this is Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. You can tweet us, SF Diocese, the hashtag Ignition, or you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Father, back to you. So I'm just mentioned a, a, a spiritual book, maybe a couple spiritual books, but one I decided to bring up would be, it's called Wisdom of the Poverello, or Wisdom of the Poor One of Assisi. It's, uh, it's about St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, it's small. It's not a, It's not trying to be a comprehensive autobiography, an exhaustive autobiography. It's really not even claim, claiming to be scholarly right. in any way whatsoever. It's more just a devotional read uh, written by a Franciscan in the 1950s, I believe, Eloy Leclerc. Um, and it's just, it just really captures the, the spiritual simplicity of St. Francis. Okay. You know, and helps you understand what spiritual simplicity is as opposed to just seeing Francis as this uh, like divine veterinarian 
um, who's like talking to animals and, and things like that. Um, and, and also just instead of seeing him just in terms of a physical poverty, um, that he didn't have any uh, fancy clothes, didn't have any food or things like that, but to look at his actual, his spiritual poverty. And it's, uh, it's really a, a beautiful book in that regard. Um, <clears throat> I'm thinking particularly there's a line in there and kind of a culmination. So his spiritual simplicity isn't so much found on like, I need to have less so others can have more, right? Or live yep. simply so that others may be simply live, which would be a materialistic notion of simplicity. His simplicity is based on the primacy of God mm. and the, the, uh, the magnitude of God, the greatness of God. Um, and so he has a line there where he's talking to a, a, a brother. This is not actual, I'm pretty sure not actual address of Francis, but I think it's a beautiful expression of his spirit uh, where he says, it is, not, it is not in struggling that a man succeeds, but in adoring. Ooh. Ooh, that, ooh I, it is not in struggling that a man succeeds, but in adoring. Right. Wow. Uh, the one who adores knows that God is. You know, God is, that is enough for him. Mm. Right. And you think about that, especially like 1950s, think about uh, this is in France being written and probably the rise of socialism, communism, sure. uh, class struggle. You know, we got to struggle. We got to strive against the authority, against the power. And him just saying, no, listen, just adore. Right. Adore right. the Lord. So and that kind of a question I was going to ask you earlier, which you're sort of speaking to right there is, all right, so this is sort of a, a, a take on the spirituality of St. Francis. Mm -hmm. Why would I read it? But these are the examples of oh, why yeah. you would. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, just to know a little bit about his heart, why St. Francis is a saint, uh, uh, why he should be a friend of yours. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. And what you can learn from him. You know, I think there's other great spiritual books too, but uh, what about for you? Do you have like uh, uh, some other topic or ca categories you want to talk yeah, about? Yeah, so for me, it, so I had this sort of progress, again, thinking of, as I mentioned, sort of this autobiographical approach for me, apologetics that led me to study theology mm. at Franciscan University. From apologetics to theology. theology exactly. Yeah. So, so, and that's where I really, I mean, even while I was doing my undergrad, really still interested in a lot of ways in, in apologetics, but I discovered that there's more, to theology than just apologetic apologetics. Right. And um, I certainly, I had heard of actually been assigned books by then Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, um, now Pope Emeritus Benedict. Um, but it was reading, and I don't think it was assigned. I think I read it while I was studying abroad in Austria one semester, hmm. reading his, his it's almost it's considered his classic, um, one of the first major works he wrote called Introduction to Christianity. And when I read Introduction to Christianity, it just opened my eyes to the, the fact that there's not only much more to theology than just apologetics, but there's much more to our faith than just apologetics. So being Catholic is not just about not being a fundamentalist. Right. Um, and studying our Catholic faith is about more than just what are the arguments for the Catholic faith? What are the arguments against other takes on Christianity or belief or what have you? Um, introduction to Christianity for me was just the first instance in which my eyes were opened to the depth and the breadth of both mm. theology and our Catholic faith. Uh, so in that way, that's why, I think, you know, um, you know the the hopeful the blend between intellectual and spiritual. This is a book for me that that accomplishes that blending, where it's very easy to pray with this particular book hmm. because he, um, then Ratzinger, um, because Benedict does just such a great job of of just 
giving us a, into a glimpse of the nature of God himself and Jesus Christ, his son whom he sent. Well, I think especially also because he's uh, writing um, from the perspective of faith. Right, right. In that regard. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> which is a great gift of his. Yeah, very well. And you know, it just and and this is a book. Uh, well, he's a writer who is so very clear in so many ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, he. Yes, there are certainly instances where it'd be um, a tough read for a Catholic who didn't have. And I don't think introduction to Christianity, by the way, but some of his other works presume some knowledge, some background in in theolog- theological study. But still, within that. He's still very clear. I mean, I've read other authors who are not far less clear than Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict. You know, I uh, I actually love this book too, uh, listeners of Ignition. Uh, this book actually, I, I joke sometimes. This is a different story for another time. But I joke about how this book saved my vocation. Oh, introduction to Christianity. I think I remember that story. Yeah, uh, but so I love it too. Uh, and he, uh, it's a great teaching book. It comes from his years as a professor, right? Yeah, uh, in in Regensburg, I think so. Yeah, uh, Germany, yep. and uh, I love it. I can't get. Uh, it's one of those books. Actually, like there's some theological, intellectual books. Where I actually try to read them again from time to time, and this is one of those books. Great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, again, you're listening to Ignition a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization, uh, sfcatholic.org. So, oops, ignition at sfcatholic.org yeah. is the email address. Twitter account, sfdiocese, use the hashtag ignition. Father, uh, back to you. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Bergwald. So <clears throat> one last book for me then would be a novel. And uh, I love novels. Uh, I just finished a couple sci-fi series okay. that I really enjoyed. Um, and then I'm actually reading right now Charles Dickens's Great Expectations. Okay. And I'm really surprised how easy it is to read. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of 19th century novels, 1800s, sometimes are really laborious to read. Yep. Uh, looking at you, uh, Brothers Karamazov. Uh, and, well, actually, even more so, Les Miserables, which I started reading like three years ago, and I'm still maybe only a quarter of the way <laughs> through it. Um, yes. But uh, uh, anyways, I, I think for a novel, though, I think if you've never actually read the actual Lord of the Rings, read it. Right. And the thing I love, it's just Catholic in its sensibility. It's not outright Catholic. It's not like bash you over the head Catholic. Um, and then they receive the Eucharist. Um, it's it, it just has a Catholic worldview. It's written from a man with the Catholic intellectual and spiritual worldview. And it's it, it permeates it. It reflects it. it yeah, it's, it's unlike, like, I think oftentimes when people think of Lord of the Rings or J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, they think of C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia. Right. But Lewis deliberately wrote Narnia, the Narnica series, Narnia series, as an allegory where you can very clearly almost map, okay, yeah. Aslan yeah. is a Christ figure and go through and map different events to different Christian beliefs. Right. So written that way, again, as an allegory, whereas Lord of the Rings was not written as no. an allegory. Right. And even though we can f- see some aspects of like of, of the threefold Munera, the mission of Christ, and say Aragorn, Gandalf, and Frodo, at the same time, it's not written explicitly to be that way. Right. Uh, one of the things I love to help you understand Lord of the Rings, if you've never read it, is uh, from some of J.R. Tolkien's own letters on it with readers, he talks about how uh, the most important character of Lord of the Rings is... Oh, oh, Sam. No. Dang. Good answer, though. Sam's uh, a wonderful character. God. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. The God is the most important character of Lord of the Rings. Now, he's never named, never identified, but there's this whole idea that everything going on is governed by providence. Sure, right, yes. Governed by uh, something beyond them, and they have to trust it as they go forward. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So, 
Love it. You know, you talked about uh, C.S. Lewis. I also love his Space Trilogy. I've never read it. Which is not an allegory, but it's uh, very good. It's, it's really more of a prophetic, actually, in some ways, reading that it kind of gets into our own modern day. Okay. Okay. So for me, uh, thinking about fiction works, as you had mentioned, um, one that's a bit, mo- well, a bit more explicitly Catholic, I would say, in terms of content, is Michael O'Brien's first published novel, Father Elijah. That's his first. What? I, it's his yeah, first? Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, this is a novel that came out, um, almost 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading it in a weekend. Uh, it was, I did the same thing. Yeah. It's so it's, it's I skipped classes actually (laughs) in the seminary. I didn't skip. Oh, father, (laughs) father Dickinson. I didn't skip prayer times. Does your formator know about this? Uh, I think I've revealed this at one point (laughs) or the other. I started reading it like on a Sunday and it's like, oh, this is so good. And I went to Monday classes but my, my mind was thinking about the book the whole time, and so I skipped Tuesday classes to read the book. Oh, so no, unfortunately, in my case, I didn't get the book till a Friday afternoon, but I sat outside all day Friday afternoon reading it and then through the weekend. Did you say fortunately or unfortunately? Fortunately, oh, I, okay. af, as in after classes. Okay. So um, it's an apocalyptic novel. Um, prophetic. Yes, also very prophetic. I need to go. I don't, I don't think I've ever gone back and actually reread Father Elijah, but I just saw just last month in October, um, Michael O'Brien came out with the sequel because he's written a whole series of books in the same universe. Right. Um, uh, but he came out with something that is explicitly a sequel to Father Elijah titled Elijah in Jerusalem, which I have not yet obtained, therefore, nor read, um, but I'm looking very much forward to doing so. Uh, so you said you've read Father Elijah. Yeah, you just got done saying you haven't read this yet, have you? No, I did not, I did not know there was one. Yeah. I am excited. Woo-hoo. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's a Christmas present. Ecstatic. So, so um, actually, I might be buying that for some people as a Christmas present as well ooh, right now. There you so go. I. I don't, know if my bro- I don't know if my brother listens to Ignition, <laughs> but if my brother does, this is Merry one Christmas. Of the, I, I don't ever want to say, I hope somebody doesn't listen to Ignition, but I hope somebody didn't listen to that minute of Ignition. How about that? I'll say that. There you go. Yeah. Um, other other fiction works, thinking again of, of mm-hmm. Tolkien, um, mm. G.K. Chesterton wrote a book called The Man Who Was Thursday that I also very much That's enjoyed. That's a great one. Um, so Father, we got about a minute left. Any, uh, any other books come to mind that you want to mention? Any other books that come to mind? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> We're live again. Yeah. Um, asking an enthusiast. Uh, I'm reading right now, uh, The Fulfillment of All Desire by, uh, Dr. Ralph Martin. Oh, right. Yes. That's an excellent book for explaining the spiritual life. A great, because he does a great job of taking a number of, of, of the doctors of the spiritual mm-hmm. life, the great St. Augustine, St. Francis de Sales, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Catherine of Siena. John of the Cross. Making them approachable and real to, and to see their, their humanity in their sanctity. And he integrates them so you see how they, they address the spiritual life in a common way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite theologians living, well, too, Father Robert Barron, oh, yeah, many people yeah. know, but less well-known um, in popular circles is Father Aidan Nichols, who's an English Dominican, great author as well. Very good. I, you know, and one I like, uh, uh, books I've read multiple times, uh, N.T. Wright and his series on the New Testament. Uh, it's like, it's probably like 2,000 pages total. Yeah, it's a lot of reading. Books. Yeah. Yeah. So just some ideas, some uh, recommended read, some of our favorite reads, at least uh, from us. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org or on Twitter, sfdiocese, use the hashtag Ignition if you've got thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. 
click on media and then audio files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.